Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Welcome to the Friday, May 1st edition of Uncapped Liquid Lunch. Today, uh, we're joined by Larry Palmerant, the head brewer at Vanish down in uh, Luckett's, Virginia. We are going to be releasing our podcast that we recorded, I think it's been a couple months now, um, tomorrow. And if you're listening to the audio, you're hearing this before you listen to the podcast so that you hear the updates. Um, Because obviously, when we recorded this back in, what was it, February, I think, a few things have changed since then. So we just want to give an update of what's going on now and the timeline well i guess probably can't even guess the timeline but anyway thanks for joining us larry oh my pleasure thanks for having me and serendipitously we are both drinking um some ghost fleet i just happened to have some in my office to drink and larry had one delivered to him shortly before we started (laughs) i had the rest of the lineup sitting here and uh forgot to grab that one so and uh, you'll notice if you're watching this is in the video form, um, Larry has a much better um, background than I do. So I guess where where do we want to start, Larry? Um, is how um, how are you guys operating now? Uh, you know, uh, so one of our big things here is that we've always been the kind of place where uh, people come and stay all day and enjoy the outdoors areas and whatnot. But uh, as with everybody, um, we have to keep things safe and keep things social distance. So um, basically right now we are operating for to go only. Um, Folks can stroll in off the street and come in and order to go beer. Um, but we also in- highly encourage pre-ordering ahead uh, by using beer me. Are you using uh, beer me as just the pickup function or are you guys delivering also? Just the pickup function. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I was um, being interviewed by a, a guy that's based out of Wisconsin on uh-huh. Wednesday, no, Tuesday. And um, I just happened to bring up beer me and he, he raised up his beer. He's like, that's how I ordered this. So oh, it, nice. it's crazy how uh, quickly beer me is caught on and uh, out in Wisconsin. They, they're using it already. Uh, you know, the uh, it, it's a great idea, uh, great format. And it's certainly uh, it, it's certainly fills the niche for uh for a lot of people who are desperately seeking to adjust their business models and uh and and find ways to continue getting beer out uh to their fans to their marketplace you know um in addition to uh so let me put it this way basically what we have here everything we have available on draft um is available in crawlers, bottles, et cetera, as well as cans um, that are prepackaged. All of that is available to pre-order on Beer Me, as well as you can just simply walk in um, and uh, and uh, buy it over the counter. Um, we do definitely ask that people, uh, you know, maintain proper protocols, social distancing, masks, et cetera. Um, but uh but yeah you're welcome to walk in and purchase it uh 
immediately, um, as well as the fact that we've really expanded our distribution footprint. So uh, we already had uh, a little bit of distro uh, all throughout the state of Maryland and in Northern Virginia, um, but we've really kind of expanded that. Um, some of our favorite places to uh, send beer right now are like District East in Frederick, uh, Downtown Crown, uh, Gillies. Um, you'll you'll find us uh, all over. Uh, I think we're we're uh, Lighthouse Liquors in Baltimore. Like we're we're pretty much all over the state of Maryland now, hitting all the big spots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as well as in northern uh, Northern Virginia, we're uh, we're at several locations all throughout uh, Fairfax and Loudoun counties. Okay, so um, one of the big things we talked about when we were recording was um, cider. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do, where does that stand now? Uh, we're still super excited about. It. We have uh, five ciders available uh, in to-go crowler and growler formats. All of those are available to order on Beer Me and pick up here at the brewery. So if you want to go out for a nice uh, Sunday drive, um, you know, and swing on by and pick it up, um, it's a it's a uh, essential trip out in the country. So uh, it's, a, it's a good way to- Clearly uh, essential. To, Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, it's a good way to, to, uh, get, get, uh, your, uh, your cider fix and, uh, and come out and see us. Um, but, uh, but also we will be doing a can run where we'll be distroing some of the, uh, core ciders, uh, releasing in June. Oh, um, purely selfish question. Is the um ma was it tangerine mango smoothie? Is that only at the brewery, or will there be some at District East? Uh, you mean this right here, the mango tango smoothie? Yes, that one. Yeah, this one's out in Distro. So, okay. um, yeah, um, the fellas over at uh, Free State Beer Craft Beer Delivery uh, picked up uh. 40 something cases last week to go all throughout. Um, and then we were working on another batch uh, to follow that up shortly as well. So um, it is definitely available right now at District East, uh, as well as some of the other places um, around the state of Maryland. Um, so just just look around for it. But uh, uh, but we have plenty here at the brewery too. So Okay, because I need to get that because I'm pretty sure that's been if not my favorite beer you guys have done definitely high on the list. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff in cans and available right now. Um, so, you know, kind of expanding on, you, you had mentioned the, the ghost fleet here. Um, this is our kind of our flagship, uh, IPA. Um, it's a new England style. But uh, what I lovingly refer to as a as a retro New England, because it's like, so I don't know, five years ago. But beginning. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's, it's a little more on the dank, resinous, piney side. Um, but then How we all IPA have, should be. Yeah. Um, we also have this. Uh, this is uh, hops and honey. This hit a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's out in distro as well as here at the brewery. Hops and honey is a triple IPA where we use orange blossom honey uh, in the fermentation as well as uh, cryo um, Simcoe hops. 
Um, so and two different yeast strains that fermented it really nice and dry, um, but uh, but also you get a little bit of residual sweetness from the honey. Um, and then uh, we also expanded on our core lineup. We have our Wraith uh, Belgian White. This will always be available right here. It's uh, 12 ounce six packs on that one. Um, and then uh, we also rolled out the Hop Drop uh, Maybach. So this is one that we've been doing for a number of years here. Um, that uh, we've always called spring lager. This year we gave it an official name and a look and logo to the can um, for, and we've sent that one out for distribution, but it's a beautiful uh, spring Maybach um, with uh, imported German malts, uh, Barca malt. Um, and then uh, we use, uh, for a nice little American twist, we use lemon drop hops in it. So it gives it a nice little fresh uh, citrus zing to counterbalance all that beautiful malt. Um, and are, then, um, are, are my box growing in popularity? I, yeah. I feel like I'm seeing a lot more breweries releasing those lately. Well, uh, I certainly hope they do. Um, the funny thing is, I've I've always done one at one in one form or another. Um, even in my uh, in my previous work before uh, coming to join Vanish when we opened five years ago. Um, you mean Barley but, and Hops, R.I.P. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I've I've loved my Bach. Honestly, is one of my favorite styles um, because I like a nice um, unique hop. Uh, balance to a nice malty beer like that and i'm a big lager fan so yeah uh, this one the funny thing about it is we actually um we did it a number of years ago as a collaboration with a brewery called uh, pulaski that was going to be an all lager brewery um and uh yeah so basically we we did it originally as a collab and then we're just like you know they're like you guys want to keep rolling with it let's roll with it so we just keep on going um but uh but yeah one of my favorite brews one of my favorite releases throughout the year um and then uh another one that we talked about on the podcast uh which will be following this uh this little liquid lunch session is the fire ipa um so, so good one is now out um we're actually doing another uh camp on this coming week which will at uh, breweries and stores um, here, I guess, look for it. Today is what the first, right? So should see it in stores by the eighth, um, should definitely be here at the brewery uh, a week from today. Very nice. I um, I really like that beer. No, oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, uh, we have a, we've, we've made a couple of, uh, ad- Every time that we've brewed it now, uh, we've made a couple of adjustments to it. Um, and really, it just gets better and better each time that we roll with it. So we're, we're really loving it. Um, the latest edition uses uh, a little addition uh, of Nelson's of Inhops in there, as well as Citra Mosaic. Um, tons of oats. There's three different kinds of oats in that. Um, you know, from uh, flaked, malted, and uh, golden naked, uh, which is basically a caramel note, uh, caramel oat. So, I think um, I think Cecilia is watching, but she did the artwork for that, right? 
Yeah, yeah, Cecilia did that. Cecilia's done uh, the hops and honey, the hop drop, uh, the mango tango. She's she's doing a lot of stuff for us right now, and it's, uh, great work. Nice. Um, yeah. Once uh, during during the episode, we also talked made like a bunch of jokes about doing an emoji beer together. I think once um, we're allowed within six feet of each other, we should definitely do one. All right, you got a deal. Maybe we could do the uh, face mask emoji. Yeah. Once it's all said and done, I think there'll be some something that we can uh, all <laughs> look back on and laugh yeah. about. <laughs> Although by then, it like um, quarantine themed or COVID themed beers may be a little played out. Because yeah. I think that I've already seen on Instagram an onslaught of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have seen a couple. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So I guess now, if you want to get a Vanish flight, what, you just have to order 20-some uh, crawlers to go? Well, I guess you could get some of them only <sighs> 16 ounces at a time. <laughs> yeah unfortunately one of our signature experiences out here with the uh the big 20 uh the uh the big mega flight which is 12 uh five out samples um unfortunately those have been all uh scrubbed down and put away um can't can't serve them right now but uh hopefully soon there will be a day when we can get back to business on that and and start hosting some people again we're actually I haven't been paying too close of attention with what Virginia's doing but where do they where do you guys stand in the whole like businesses opening back up and opening up the economy line like it feels like in Maryland we're still pretty far from that happening uh it's probably pretty on pace um first off from what i've noticed uh the governor of maryland the uh mayor of dc and the governor of virginia have been very close contact and making decisions essentially together um also you kind of got to keep in mind that the uh the governor of virginia uh is a former doctor so you know i gotta imagine that he's uh definitely taking uh people's health into account uh yeah. as a big part of his decision making process yeah and you i would i mean for how fluid really the um as it comes to people traveling around that our borders are between maryland dc and virginia i would really hope that they are working in conjunction with each other yeah yeah absolutely you know i mean we're uh we're we're four miles from the bridge to uh to maryland um you know and many of us here uh live in maryland so you know we're uh we're we're very in tune with what's happening in both states and uh and i you know i for one like to see uh both states uh make solid decisions uh that that you know kind of kind of keep traffic to a, a safe level so um some of the other things we talked about during the episode were you were going to have an over 21 area um there was there's a couple other expansion type things is it safe to assume that that once everything goes back to normal and you can open and host 
people on prem like like normal that all those things will just take place the same way that they were planned for absolutely um absolutely uh we're still actually you know so let's say for instance the 21 and over area um we're still uh you know uh, we're spending a little bit of time uh go ahead and like finishing some of the painting and whatnot you know just um uh we're still constantly making improvements uh as we tend to do around here uh and so that's not going to stop our game plan at all um we still have the uh probably a little distant from it but the uh the wedding venue and outdoor pavilion uh down here uh for events and weddings um still looking forward to uh to booking that um and uh and getting more of those on the schedule for uh you know for later in the year next year whenever uh whenever we get the green light so yeah we're we're still planning on moving forwards how much has this affected your brewing schedule have you had to scale way back on how often you're brewing or is it close to the same pace uh you know it it took a little time to adjust um i think for the most part um we we scaled back eh, maybe for about the first two weeks and then but we, because we were in a lucky and very fortunate position we already had uh the beginnings of a distribution footprint um we work uh very closely with a couple of great maryland companies uh craft coalition and um and uh craft uh free state craft beer um to take our products all throughout the state of maryland um and meanwhile we already had a distributor here in uh in virginia uh with ferment nation so those those were already put in place you know we already had a, a canning operation uh and labels and all that kind of stuff so so it was able we were able to make a transition very quickly um the one thing that we are missing out on is uh is honestly seeing people face to face every day and, yeah. and getting to host this big party that is vanish every day so which unfortunately um for now but fortunately previously is that uh you hosted a lot of people ha. yes uh yes that is true and we're we're hoping to get back to that um but in the meantime you know we really hope that everybody uh stays safe and stays uh follows the rules and stays a little distant um because it's the only way we're going to be uh done with this uh soon yeah well um i want to thank you so much for giving us some of your time today um, I'm glad we were able to give out a little bit more information to um, kind of fill in the gaps created by recording an episode way before we were releasing it. Um, and uh, so I appreciate your time and yeah, uh, my pleasure. want to thank everyone for uh, watching and listening. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we're joined in studio by our friends and supporters of the Uncapped Podcast, um, Larry Pomerantz, the Beverage Operations Manager, and Trevor, da da Trevor Davis, the cider guy from Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to talk about cider because I've, I've slowly 
even more so than wine. I was about to say at like wine, but I still don't particularly like wine. But <laughs> I have grown more of an appreciation of cider as of late. Um, is it still? Do you still go by Vantage Farmwoods Brewery? Because it it seems like the Farmwoods Brewery gets dropped a lot and it's just Vanish. So I never know like, what's the best way to refer to you. As. Uh, you know, Vanish Vanish is. Uh, an always evolving place and it's an always evolving name and concept (laughs) so we go by many names um but yeah sure vanish vanish farmwoods brewery it's you know the fact of the matter is is that uh the the people know us and people love to come out and see us and so that's that's all that matters to me as long as long as vanish is in the in the name um people are going to know what you're talking about i think so (laughs) it's not much confusion um so I'm not sure where do we. So we have two big topics to talk about. Um, let's stick with beer first, and sure. then we'll let the cider guy talk about um, cider a little bit later on. I mean, I guess we'll let you talk about beer if you want to, even though you make stuff out of apples. Uh, thanks for <laughs> allowing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, we'll get your background because you you've done quite a few things in the alcohol industry and have an interesting past. Um, I think so. So, Larry, first, it's it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, um, yeah it's been been a while. And so, in that time frame, there's probably been about a ninety eight percent change in Vanish since it seems to have new buildings. Burning up monthly and new accommodations built. So, what do you have going on now? Oh wow! Um, so there's there's always an evolving property. Um, we always have uh, new events going on. I think the the biggest thing that um, the biggest thing is that we have uh, uh, really put together events coordinator now, who's who's posting events uh, weekly. Um, we have several events going on every week where you can, uh, you know, everything from comedy shows to private events um, to uh, just you know music three to four days a week, trivia every Friday, um, just a ton of new things going on in a good time. And a former coworker of mine. Think she's still there, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Cecilia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yes, by yes. that awesome Cecilia doing a great job there. Yeah, yeah, she's doing a lot of uh, great work um, with uh, everything from the uh, from the events through the um, the labels. Um, we'll show you some of the label work here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, great, great person to have around. So, and I know one thing you added recently is uh, over twenty one pavilion. Yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> I think that's genius because it, it's amazing just how loaded <laughs> that argument can become <laughs> on whether or not kids should be at breweries or not. On any given Facebook page, yeah. on any given Instagram thread, what have you, there is a longstanding argument of whether or not you know kids or families should be allowed in breweries, yeah. and then there's all those opinions out there that fly around like, you know. So um, anyways, yes, we now have a dedicated 21 and over area um, with uh, darts. Um, basically, our goal is to have the whole uh, the whole selection of products that we have inside beer, wine, cider, all the drafts um, out there, uh, as well as to go beer. So everything you'd be able to get 
uh, on, in the main tasting room, which is, of course, family friendly, um, then the outside uh, three um, pavilion, which is now enclosed, heated, insulated. It's uh, it's basically open year round. Um, and which that's one, a 21 so which and over. Which one is that? Is that the... That's the large outdoor pavilion with the uh, with the black shipping container. Town. Yeah, okay. yeah. So <laughs> in that area. And there's there's an entrance both from the stables building or an outside entrance there um, as you come through the main... Uh, the main hallway, the main corridor there. Okay. Uh, you just go straight on through and then to the right. And then when I saw that, I thought it was especially great for you guys to do it because you tout yourselves as being family friendly and you 100% are because I think you're the only brewery that has a full-fledged playground. Like it's what I can think of. It's almost like taking your kids to a, a fast food restaurant that has the whole playhouse area mm. where there's – so people take advantage of that family friendly um for sure aspect and depending on which side of that debate you fall on probably love and hate although that also kind of insulates it all over i'm betting the majority of people that take their kids there probably stick over to that area where there's the all the kids stuff because there's a bar there too mm -hmm. yep yep there's the outside or uh luck it surf bar <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um that's uh that is typically especially in nice uh warmer months um that is typically where the bulk of the families kind of congregate out that way um and then uh, of course you know like i said we have the the 21 and over so now you can yeah. keep them separated or you can come together whatever your choice yeah, so. for people who are firmly in the kids do not belong at a brewery camp you have what is the size of most craft breweries <laughs> yeah a um, place for them to go to <laughs> roughly about eight thousand square foot yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh you know a full stage um with it which honestly has the space and power to fit up to a 15 piece band i think we've had in there at Jeez. one point like i mean th this band they they brought in the whole nine yards one time it was amazing um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be a good space. Um, uh, there's there's uh, plans in to get a uh, pool table in the area uh, in that 21 and over area as well. But there's darts going right now, so you know, you come out and take me on in a game of darts. You know, be my guest. So, Are you good well, at darts? I, you know, pretty much anything with eye hand coordination, I do fairly decent well. <laughs> yeah don't throw out your shoulder <laughs> i i um i'm the opposite i'm not good at darts or anything with eye hand coordination there you go I, I see often, you know don't miss your mouth right I, it happens more times than I, I care to. <laughs> yeah more times than not no thankfully i'm not soaked by the end of the day <laughs> Um, so let's take a, um, a real quick break to thank a sponsor and then we get back uh, let's talk about one of the other exciting um, beer pieces of news that you have that's coming up All right. you may have noticed something a little different in the Roast House Pub parking lot they are now offering beer and food to go from their food truck the food truck will be open starting April 3rd from 4.30 until 7.30 on Saturdays they will open for lunch from 11.30 until 2.30, and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7.30.
On Sundays, they will be open for lunch from 11.30 to 2.30, and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7. As you are aware, things are constantly changing, so make sure to check out RoastHousePub.com and their social media channels for up-to-date information and menus. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of India Pale Ales, delicious fruited sours, robust porters and stouts, and crispy pilsers and lagers, Idiom Brewing Company prides themselves on continuing to innovate, utilizing new and or experimental hops, local ingredients, and unique flavor, flavor profiles. Unfortunately, you can't enjoy their tap room, which is located along beautiful Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. Thankfully, you can enjoy their delicious beer to go and even have it delivered throughout the Frederick area. You can check out their menu options and place your order at idiombrewing.com. Make sure to follow them on social media for up-to-date options and hours during these ever-changing times. So, for the longest time, the only way to get vanished beer was to go to the brewery. And really, mm-hmm. for the longest time, it really wasn't that long. <laughs> um, and and a lot of people do that. Um, and then there was a trickle here and there starting. And it was mainly Frederick, right? Was where it was first we've available. Done, yeah, we, we've done a, a little slowly, bit here and there. Slowly grew out a little bit. But now you're uh, going all in. Is that... Yeah, yeah, Uh, I I think so. Um, Yeah, we're definitely expanding our distribution footprint. Um, Up until now, we've basically kept distribution to a very limited, um, you know, kind of promotional activities and, you know, fun things like beer dinners and special events. Um, But um, but yeah, we're starting to broaden our horizons a little bit more um, and uh, send more of our production beyond our own farm um, and out into the market. Marketplace. So we're currently hitting up bars in D.C. Um, all throughout Montgomery County, and that includes, you know, bars, uh, restaurants, liquor stores, all the places that you'd think um, to to look about for um, for quality craft beer. Um, you know, we're in Victoria Gastropub and uh, Downtown Crown, and a cool lot of those. Place. Yeah, a lot a lot of fun places. Yeah. The um. And it's it's not just kegs. It's off, I don't actually I don't even know if, how much in frame the rest of the stuff is here. But if you could see the table, which I'm not sure if you can, or um, Graham shaking his head that no, you cannot see the table if you're watching. But there are a lot of uh, different cans and packaged products that'll be available. Now, are you? Is this all being done in house, or are you contracting? Um, we're, we've partnered, uh, with a Maryland brewery that has some additional space. Okay. Um, so I'm spending a lot of my time and energy up there working. Um, and, uh, and we're producing up in Hagerstown. Cool. Um, yeah, I figured it had to have been cause it hasn't been that long since I was at Vanish and I don't think you could keep up with how much beer you're going through with the stainless steel you have on site. Yeah, even though we packed that space out, um, you know, that still is a, it's a limited limited by its you know overall capacity yeah. um, in the brewery area. Um, so uh, so yeah, it, we it, we found it necessary to have to uh, to s- seek outside help, and uh, it just what? was very uh, convenient that uh, one of my assistant brewers um, had uh, 
decided to move on to another place and uh then he uh he wound up uh helping us out big time so and he's who brewed peach pie ipa mm, yeah while you and yeah. i hung out mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah which we should make again because that was absolutely delicious it was a lot of fun it was a heck of a lot of peaches yeah. uh we went to the farm stand that day and uh got home a, a bunch of peaches that sat there and peel is uh the two of us and uh liz murphy yeah, yeah. And um, horrible, I can't remember her name now. Woman from uh, the Brewers, the National Brewers Association. But wait, wait oh. so as a background, we we brewed this beer together for. Um, there was a beer writing conference being held in Loudoun County, and Vanish hosted a night of um, where. I don't know. It was, I can't remember how many, but there were a lot of uh, Loudoun County's breweries set up at Vanish so that all the people attending this conference could come and try the, the beers from all the other breweries. And Larry was kind enough to invite myself and Liz Murphy to collaborate on a beer together. And we made a peach pie IPA that they knocked out of the park. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of fun with it. We, uh, that night, I want to say we had over 30 Loudoun County breweries in attendance yeah, there. Lot. And then as far as the, the beer bloggers that were from all over the world, really. If we, yeah, we had there, quite were some, a few. there were some from, uh, I can't remember from where, but yeah, there were other countries represented. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a fantastic night. Um, it was a little over a year ago, I want to say. But yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I didn't go, la- it was the year before last, because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't go to the last one. But I get to go this year in Austin. So oh, sweet. I've never been to Austin before, so I'm excited. Oh, you want to take me place. with you? I love that place. Yeah, let's go. All I know right. your buddy owns uh, Austin, Austin Beer Works. Beer Works yeah, yeah. They've got a Frederick connection as well, you know. Old uh, Will Golden worked here yeah. and uh, is from Brunswick and uh, and has from been. the Flying Dog Brewing Tree. Yeah, yeah, sure enough. That's and something then, I, I have always, I think it would be interesting to make, um, a poster of like brewing trees, <laughs> like how they, like they always talk like about a yeast the, diagram or a yeah, family tree, of, so like, to speak. Well, they like or they always like the coaching trees in the NFL, where like you know, there's this coach that spur like spawned off all these other head coaches and become part of that tree. Like, there's a lot of that with brewers, where like there will be the brewmasters at one place where all these other head brewers worked under, or yeah. Like, there's just all this intertwining of people sure. where they got their start, and there's a, there's a lot of similarities. Like it reminds me at least of coaching trees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, like I said given that they came from out west before they moved to Maryland, um, you know, there's even a branch of the tree out that away too. So, yeah, kazoo. Eh, we won't get into all that. Um, so you have um, a couple of your mainstay beers mm-hmm. that you've already been packaging. That those will go into wider distribution, like Ghost Fleet, which is this is like your flagship. New yeah, style. yeah, that's what I lovingly dis- uh, I lovingly describe as an old school NEPA. <laughs> so you know what I mean. It, it's uh, it's kind of uh, one of the first NEPAs in this area, and we essentially modeled it for what was very. Uh, common at the time, which is a little more, um, you know, definitely have like the peach characters in there from the yeast and and the haze, of course. 
Um, but it's a lot of like uh, piney resinous hops. So you get a little bit more of that Simcoe and a little bit more of the uh, Centennial in there. Um, and, you know, it's it's not quite as juicy or residual sweetness as some of the more modern ones, but that's where we get into things like fire. So, so fire is, um, that's a, a, your typical like hazy IPA. Yeah. The ones, both of these, both ghost fleet and fire are going to be hazy IPAs. Um, meaning, you know, they have a lot of adjuncts, a lot of, uh, uh, wheat and oats and whatnot to give you a really smooth mouthfeel. Um, but, uh, that one is going to have a lot more of what you could essentially call juicy hops. Okay. Um, and maybe a little less of the piney resinous or dank hops. I love, I love the, um, the label for it. Yeah. The, like giving the description of the beer and someone just replying with a fire emoji. Well, the, the fire emoji. So the emoji series is something we're kind of playing around with right now, but, uh, we, we basically were just kind of joking around one day about the idea of like, well, what do we want to call our next beer? What, what kind of concept should we do? And BJ Pagnot, our head brewer came out with the idea of, uh, essentially, you know, going, well, look, everybody describes these on social media as, you know, well, the, what is this beer? Oh, it's fire. And it's just a fire emoji so we kind of want to just play with that and roll yeah. with it so more or less going to roll with the whole emoji series what other emojis you're going to do <laughs> just in case you're asking no i don't think eggplant but you know <laughs> that, that's not where i was going but I, mean, I guess it's probably a wise decision <laughs> you may lose your family friendly status if you <laughs> go that route uh yeah no the uh the next handful um we uh we we haven't quite figured out yet or not that we are ready to announce quite yet but uh but yeah we're working on it <laughs> you want to come up with one chris come on you want to do heart Wait a second come on come out and brew with us we'll do heart emoji i'll do it. yeah all I, right i like brewing beer you know you want to do peach you want to do you. peach emoji i do i love peach and beer but i don't well so there's Actually, we won't get it. I was going to say there's debate on what the peach emoji means. But I don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I forgot. Think, <laughs> I think that may be with or without the it, – like it depends on if the eggplant emoji is involved or not, what the meaning is. Um, on that note, we're going to take a real quick break to um, first apologize and then thank one of our sponsors. Um, and then when we get back, I will try not to talk about emojis anymore. <laughs> District East now offers curbside pickup and a personal shopper service to pick your favorite beer and wine. They're instituting a policy of social distancing by bringing your order to your car. Their hours of operation will stay the same. This is their small way of trying to reduce gatherings of large groups of people while still delivering the service their customers have come to expect. You can view their inventory at www.districteast.beer to place orders you can call 240-651-0500 as well as calling and texting 240-367-4961 and 240-367-4149. You can stay up to date with their offerings on all of their social media channels. Vanish Farmwoods Brewery may have to close their tap room, but you can still get their beer to go. They will be open for to-go beer sales of four packs and crowlers seven days a week from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please follow them on their social media channels for up-to-date information. 
at Vanish Beer on Instagram and at Vanish Brew on Facebook. Now, Larry, that you have all your dirty talk out of you, do you want to um, <laughs> go a little bit more about uh, the distribution plans? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously we at Vanish being situated right on Route 15 in between the towns of Leesburg, Virginia, and Frederick, Maryland, um, and many of us live and uh and and are quite partial to frederick um we uh we are very happy and pleased to announce a, a good bit more of uh product rollout in the frederick market so um we'll be we'll be launching a lot more canned product um uh, cans and bottles uh available specifically at district east um which has had us for a while but then a number of other places around frederick um, and really expanding our footprint in the Frederick market as well. Awesome. There's yeah, a lot more I mean, bars the, and restaurants. For the while, we like dribble in the Frederick mm-hmm. a little bit. If you're lucky, you'd be able to catch it. District East would have a tasting every one, or maybe one or two, I think they had. Um, but that's nice that it would be much more readily available. Yeah. Uh, with our with our added capacity in canning, we'll be doing a lot more in uh, canned both beer and cider uh, launched in the Frederick area. Oh, nice. Uh, cider guy, you'll get to talk eventually. Still, still <laughs> on timeout, yeah. Um, with your your system now, would you even be able to keep up with demand through the tap room with just what you can make on site? You know, you- is uh, it, it's pretty close, um, you know, but uh, more or less – we can we can get about 1200 out of there per year which is about where we've averaged if we have a little bit left over um we can you know we we've distroed it Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been very limited it's like well can we afford to do this event or this beer festival yes or no but you know um with our added capacity um we are we're 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 all in uh, and start doing more you know frederick area events more beer festivals you know uh, i've got a couple that i'm really super excited about coming out awesome um first off this is i are we done talking about beer is there any more beer stuff you want to talk sure sure do we want to let cider guy chime in (laughs) let him chime in we'll end up coming back to beer so it's (laughs) all good yeah well but but this is a good segue because this is really good oh awesome i I I really like this and so i'm i've been told it was a compliment um that i'm not afraid to be wrong so am i right at all to describe this as being like a nice blend between sweet and dry so this one's um actually i feel like i'm wrong no nah. <laughs> starting out like you well, idiots no 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 no, 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 drink. no no that's not true at all um so it's it is um it's pretty dry. So um, most of the cider that I make is uh, I like to treat it um, initially like wine. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's wine with apples. Um, and so it being very dry in the beginning, and then I added some more tangerine, which might give it a little bit of residual sugar. It's not very sweet at all, though. It's just... So the, I think that's what it is then, because mm-hmm. I typically only like dry mm-hmm. um, ciders. Like the... Um, Okay. A couple of the other cideries we've had on and I've liked, it was their dry stuff that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And like the first taste of this, it seems like your average dry cider that I really like, but 
then there was and it must be that tangerine that i'm tasting that made me say like there's the blend of sweetness to it right yeah and i mean it could so be I'm not a complete idiot you yes. no, i know you are not a <laughs> complete job. idiot i think i think you're in the right business but uh i yeah i mean it also using so this one's actually an interesting one it's a collaboration with the brewery and the cider house um and we use Blanche yeast mm -hmm. to make a Belgian wit cider, um, and I added tangerine in it and grains of paradise. So it's a little bit complex, and the apples I'm using are complex too, and that's why you want it to be dry. You don't want to cover it up with sugar because there is a lot of complexity and depth in the yeah. apples. Well, that's it. another thing too. You can definitely – there's a lot of ciders. I don't think you really like taste apple kind of in mm – -hmm. I feel like you can definitely taste the. I wouldn't be able to tell you what kind of apple, sure. but it, it definitely it tastes of apple, and I couldn't identify the tangerine without having been told what it was, but I could tell it was there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one of the things that's always impressed me about uh, Trevor and his abilities and what we're putting together um, is that uh, there is. He has he has a knack for creating uh, really unique ciders with a depth of color and flavor and variety. But in the finish, you always come back to a very crisp and complex apple character. Every one of them finished that way. Hmm. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> maybe you'll get a promotion. Huh. Maybe I won't <laughs> get fired. <laughs> maybe cider man. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, uh, the guys and I were talking um, and they're like, well, maybe you're going to get demoted to cider baby. And then I was like, well, maybe I could actually make a cider that's a cider baby that's, um, you know, like super high in sugar and like 2% or 1.5% alcohol. But I don't know. That might be kind of weird too. What percent hmm. is this? This is 7%. It does not taste 7%. It's, uh, it's a sneaky one. Yeah. yeah. You have to. You have to be careful with these. Uh, Most ciders <laughs> are typically higher ABV, though, right? Is it like you said? It's kind of just wine. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is basically wine, but it's not going to have um, the amount of sugar that you're going to get with grapes. Um, so uh, usually between you know five and and seven percent, I think is is starting to become uh, pretty typical. Yeah. So is it, what's the name of the pro the product is it vanish cider house or exactly yep nailed it yeah <laughs> yeah you don't need us <laughs> <laughs> all right mic drop <laughs> um would well, be be the same basic branding and everything or is it going to have a unique uh look and feel too so yeah um this is something that we're currently in the process of um since this is something we've done from the ground up and it's growing um right now we are actually in the works of uh, of ma making art uh we have artwork going on right now we have different artists we have cecilia that's working on a lot of it so we're throwing around a lot of ideas and throwing around a lot of artwork and um different colors and stuff. So this is a really, really super exciting time um, because there's a lot of creativity and a lot of people coming together. And, and so, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a little different. Um, but I think we still want that kind of Vanish Farmwoods Brewery yeah, feel yeah. to everything that we're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll tie in the branding while giving it an identity of its own. For sure. Okay. Um, and you said it'll be canned. So will that be like, this is still right. 
This one's not still. I am going to be doing um, some some still, but you're not going to get the head. So I mean, okay. cider doesn't have the like complexity that a lot of beer does. So the CO2 is not grabbing onto it. Okay. You're not going to get the head. But if you get it, it still it still has slightly um, carbonated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what what kind of packaging will you be putting it in? Uh, that's going to go in twelve ounce cans. Okay. Yeah, 12, 12 ounce uh, six packs. So nice. Um, so you have a tangerine one. What if if it's anything like vanishes to beer? I'm going to guess there are a lot of other kinds. <laughs> yeah, I have. You got to have your own flight board, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you can. Um, uh, soon enough. Um, and by the time this comes out, we're gonna have all kinds of. Uh, we're gonna be able to do full flights. So, um, and, and it's going to be really cool too, but again, like he was saying, I like uh, colors. That's something, um, that I really like is the co- different colors. Cause like if you, if you have a flight of beer, you're going to know basically if you're having like a Pilsner or a lager, and if you're having a stout, they're drastically different. And so I'm kind of, uh, wanting to navigate that with cider so that everything has a different color. Um, and, and you know, if something's pink or purple or blue or, you know, red or this color, um, that it's going to be something very different. So right now we have this, and then what we will try is um, a Paloma. Do you know Paloma cocktails? Yeah. So I I based it off the Paloma, um, which we call pink grapefruit, has grapefruit, lime, ginger, um, and a little bit of residual sugar. I currently am working on a dry hop blood orange cider Ooh, which is yeah i love blood orange. Yeah. a I lot of fun one last night they're so good yes um they're easier to peel than regular oranges too <laughs> at least the ones i had last night were very easy oranges to peel. are mm-hmm. just hard to peel in general but know, sometimes they're like it feels like there's almost like air gap between the <laughs> the peel and the orange itself you know funny and thing this is one we- i we just had a conversation about this the other day. There's basically two broad families of oranges, and one, you know, it, similar to peaches. You know, cl- you have the cling versus the freestone in peaches. Yeah. So in oranges, you have a similar two different families. One where the peels are very tight to the fruit, and then another one we have, like you were saying, a very loose, almost an air gap where they just almost yeah, like just like melt fall, off when yeah, you yeah. break it apart. Like break it apart and it plops out mm-hmm. almost. I hate the ones that like you like you, you start to peel it and it's like every centimeter you're ripping yeah, it. Yeah. Um in, in India I uh there was I don't know, maybe you know this, but there there's these tangerines, they call them tangerines, they're a little bit larger, and you just like poke your finger in and the whole thing falls off. And it's, yeah, it's super I don't know. I don't know if that was something you might know about, but he seems to have a wealth of knowledge of anything food and drinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh so I'm doing that. I have all kinds of really interesting stuff right now. I'm working on a black currant um, uh, tart cider, and um, I don't think I've ever had a tart cider. And I apologize to anyone who's brought me one and I've tried, but I don't. <laughs> do you remember a tart one, Graham? There we go. Now you get to try one. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring it right to you. How um, how how long have you been serving the cider? Because it's not that long, right? Correct. Um, like, in weeks, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. it's been this year. This yeah. year, honestly, roughly, roughly about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Our our rollout was uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve um, was um, our our goal to get it out, and we accomplished that. And we had four different ciders on for the New Year's Eve party at Vanish. Um, so yeah, it was. It's been very very I bet recent. That was packed. 
it was quite nuts. Uh, <laughs> yes. But yeah, we do, uh, we, we, for New Year's Eve, we do a uh, 7 p.m. toast uh, so that it's, uh, we're celebrating the British New Year's or the, the time change at the Prime Meridian. Okay. So therefore, uh, we do it a little bit early, um, which then allows people to get to other parties or to go home, put the kids to bed, depending on what side of that spectrum you're on. So. <laughs> It is. It really is amazing how heated those debates. Like I've been trying to. I, I I was trying earlier to think of like another hot button political issue that like it's akin to, but like in a ridiculous like thing where like there's these really important political things that people debate with such passion. And then people fight about whether kids should be in brewery yeah. with the same amount of. I I I had it in my brain that flat Earth or you know flat Earth debate was going to be similar, but there's I think there's pretty scientific knowledge that no, one of those I is. Want, <laughs> no, no, not to people who believe it's flat. There was a guy who just. Oh, yeah. Flew mad, his rocket, the rock. Mad Mike, Mad Dog Mike. Just something. trying to prove it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was he tragic. He fell short. Uh, yes, yes. Chris. <laughs> I didn't even intend that, but that was awesome. <laughs> you know, you can't feel that bad if you build a rocket in your backyard to shoot yourself <laughs> in the space and something goes horribly wrong with it. I feel like the odds are in favor of a bad outcome. I'm just curious if he had gotten FAA to sign off on that or not. You know, I'm going to go out was on just... limb and say it's a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, if I was a betting man. Yeah. I actually, over the weekend, I watched, um, there's this YouTube channel I started watching where they bring people in with opposing views and like give prompts and have them answer the prompt from their point of view. And one of them was flat earthers versus scientists. And one of them was had a doctorate in like theoretical physics or something like that, and like as I'm watching, I'm like I was fascinated by it because they so like within their soul believe that the Earth is flat, as much as we just believe that there's air in this room that we're breathing, or that the Earth is round because it is, and. I just admit, like, I want, I've been wanting to just post asking, I want to find out, like, if I know any flat earthers, because I really want to talk to someone to find out, like, why they believe that. Like, oh. I, I'm curious, is this show, like, I mean, is it a civil debate, or is it, like, hyped of, up, like, Jerry, no, Jerry, no, 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 Jerry Springer no, show? No, it, it's framed more from the stance of, like, people trying to meet the common ground so like if it starts to get even a little bit heated they take a break and then they reconvene mm -hmm. and i think the flat earth one was one of the ones that had to had to take a break and come back to it and it was like there was just one point where the flat earth people were like i think you guys just need to educate yourself and so the guy with the doctor in physics was like i have <laughs> <laughs> And I'm still pretty sure. <laughs> but it, I, I need to find someone that thinks the Earth's flat so I can talk to him about it. So if you listen to this podcast and uh, you think the Earth is flat, please email chris <laughs> at newspost.com because I would love to meet you. We can talk about the Earth and beer. Um, How about some other things that are round? Apples. 
Apples are round. No, they're flat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, don't you squish them? Well, eventually, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you do. You we do. do press them. You press the apples. Lower your mic a little Correct. bit. Correct. Oh, sorry. How about that? The hand signals weren't working. Um. Are, are you growing your own? Are you so, going to be? Because I would imagine that yeah. you can't currently because it's not like you snap your fingers and there's an orchard no, that sprouts so, up. But. Yeah, so um, currently uh, sourcing from local orchards. Um, but what's a lot of fun is if you're driving on 15, you can see when you're right next to Vanish, you can see the orchard. There's an orchard right now. We have just under 200 um, different types of trees. Um, wow. Different varieties, yeah. and they're including pear. So uh, I'm going to be making perry, um, and uh, we're about to plant a bunch more this spring here, very very soon. So um, yeah, it, in the next couple of years, uh, we will definitely be able to use our own apples um, and pears and anything else we want to grow um, to uh, to fill our needs. So unless they get as crazy as the brewery side, in which case. Uh, I don't know. We might need to plant trees all over the property. Yeah. No, I mean, and that was just a great idea um, to be able to branch out, to be able to add more farming to our farm. Um, You know, we're more than just a destination or a beverage manufacturer. We are a farm and um, we do grow hops. We do grow apples um, and it's a pretty substantial apple orchard. Um, in the future, who knows? We, we're working on some other beverages, and our goal is to more or less be an all-encompassing beverage company, you know, that with a great background in hospitality. So possible distillery in the future? Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's off the table. <laughs> I mean, that is alcohol. <laughs> um, that, that was one thing about cider I was surprised about, that I had no idea that there – or specific varietals for making cider and that you like the kinds that you eat aren't necessarily what you would want to make cider out of. Yeah, not at all. Um, what you get at the store, the dessert apples, um, they are made exactly for that reason. They are high in sugar, zero complexity. Uh, they're fantastic to just, you know, pick and eat. Um, and, if you were to take uh, these cider apples, these heritage apples, and pick them and eat them, that's what they call spitters, because um, they are going—they're going to be bitter. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of depth to them, but they um, are really not good to eat. <laughs> they're not dessert apples at all. So they're drastically dr- different for sure. So <clears throat> this uh, lives up to its name. The fire, fire, fire well, IPA. Thank you. Before thank you, BJ. It, he's not here. He's actually brewing today. Um, but yes, this was his idea and his execution. Before so. tasting it, I was running through my my head like, what am I going to say if I don't like it? <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully, it it does live up to its name because that would be a pretty wah wah moment if like you try and like yeah that. That is blatant false advertisement. Well, this <laughs> one is uh, not. This one, we got our hands on some of the much coveted uh, uh, Lotus Hop, which is a uh, it's a brand new hop. I say, I'm not familiar with that one. It's a uh, it's a really interesting hop. It's actually a crossbreed of a Japanese hop and a Neo Mexicanus, which is um, basically a wild hop that was found in the Rocky Mountains of uh, northern New Mexico and southern Colorado. 
how, how do you learn all the crap you learn? <laughs> I'm an avid reader and a geek, and I quite honestly don't have any friends anymore. <laughs> because I, I, Trevor mentioned it earlier, but you literally do like know a little bit to a lot of everything. Yeah, he it does. Seems like. He does. Uh-huh. And I mean, I, if, if you're running a podcast, you're a nerd, and I am a nerd for sure. I'm constantly listening to podcasts, reading all the time, and all the time, Larry is always blowing my mind because I'll bring something up, and he's like, well, I actually have this experience with this. I'm like, whoa, what? Like, yeah. You, yeah, I mean, you have a crazy culinary background, which definitely helps with uh, with brewing also, but I, it's really, really cool. It's it's It's... Um, super interesting to be able to go to him and ask him questions and get ideas. I, I've sure. been a food a food fan for a really long time. Um, so more or less, it just comes with years of accumulation and having fun and drinking with friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So so the more the more that we drink, the more that uh, the the more that we research. Um, do you cook a lot? Do you like? Do you do most? Oh of goodness! The cooking, yeah. Well, you know, look here. I I used to cook professionally for a long time, uh, doing everything from small bistros to selling seafood, um, to large sporting event, uh, large sporting stadiums and whatnot. Um, but uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I cooked a lot at home. Unfortunately, these days, the extent of my culinary prowess seems to be reduced to like chicken nuggets and French fries. <laughs> I'm a dad. What can I say? You know, my kids are little, so. Air fryer or oven? Uh, air fry. Oh, even better. This There's an awesome, if like, new product have, that you, is an air fryer and toaster oven. oven. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. All right, no, because if you're if you about to say you have the oven with the air fryer in it. For like full size? I was going to be done talking to you because so <laughs> I, I think I think the air fryer may be humanity's most innovative accomplishment yeah you know aren't they amazing <laughs> uh, I mean just superheated concentrated air doing uh, that kind of temperature getting and without Christmas, kids like, I like I don't think you may recognize how amazing they are but the fact that you can go from frozen chicken nuggets and tater tots to completely edible in like 12 minutes with the perfect amount of crisp yeah. it's just like, it, it's practically a miracle gonna pit, put McDonald's out of business yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's a I think it's a frigid air may I, I can't remember what brand but there's a there's a brand of oven that has an air fryer built into it. I want that so bad. Mm. I feel like you could do an advertisement for them the way that you just explained <laughs> there you that. Go. I think <laughs> I think you got to yeah. get some work and do some newer <laughs> yes. sponsors. Yeah, I, that would just be a life changer because then I could free up some additional counter space and then just toss in the oven. And then you could air fry anything at that point. Like imagine a turkey air fried. It's probably amazing. But we don't know yet because it's always been these little tiny things. Well, you'd have now to sous vide it first. You know, a buddy of mine out in Colorado would put a uh, put a prime rib in a sous vide bag and then put it into his keg washer. Uh, keg washers, <laughs> if you're you know not familiar, basically they have a bath and a pump and a temperature uh, probe set up to be able to keep uh, exact temperatures on your washing liquid for uh-huh. washing kegs. Well. He dropped his sous vide uh, prime rib in there and and slow cooked it that way because it circulates the water around the prime rib. Um, 
then keeping ingenious. it at exact temperatures is that's quite amazing. A, then take it out and like crisp it up with a blowtorch and done. That's probably wow. a very expensive way to sous vide something, though. Not if you own a keg washer. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the running that keg washer is probably not completely cheap for how long you would have need to cook that prime rib for. Yeah, all you well, have to do is own a brewery and own yeah. a keg washer, and there it's it is. Super easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Trevor, how did you get into cider making? Um, so, I I actually, several years ago, started off homebrewing um, with uh, one of my friends who, uh, he was way more advanced than I was. I was basically just helping out, and um, we wanted to start our own business. And um, that ended up leading to having a little LLC, and we were catering events. And then we ended up, um, well, I ended up pulling out of that because I was like, all right, this is way more difficult than I than we <laughs> expected. Yeah, opening a brewery is very, very uh, challenging for sure. A um, lot of obstacles. Um, and then I, I've been in the service industry for the longest time. When I was going to college, uh, I always worked at a restaurant whatever i could uh, and pause for your story real quick is yeah. this someone who has opened a brewery still aspires to open or is it completely defunct at this point so um if you've heard of uh I, it was daily instance at the time and uh, now okay, rare so, creature rare, okay it is who i was thinking yes of. exactly who you're <laughs> thinking of yeah so it's it's Devin. yeah so um but i don't know him but i, I yeah it's a, i just had a feeling like because i know like the circles that kind of revolve right. around the people who do that. And yeah. I, like I, I felt like there was a, cr you fit into that cross section. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, you are correct. So, um, man, I am on fire today. You really are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's on um, fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I've been in the service industry. I've done everything from, you know, uh, in cooking, cooking in, in, in kitchens. And I started off uh, washing dishes and busing and serving and bartending. I've done absolutely everything. So now, you know, I was like, well, the next thing is, you know, is, is brewing and, and, but brewers are everywhere. And I mean, you have guys have been brewing forever and people like BJ have been brewing for 10 years. Everyone's been doing it. I, I can't hold a candle to these people because I've all my only experience has been, um, home brewing, and I've made batches of cider, and it is a it's it's exploding right now. It's only a little bit less than two percent of the industry, but it's coming, and this is the year. Twenty twenty is the year for cider, so I've been wanting to do this, and I and I really enjoy the agricultural side. So, um, and that's what we talked about earlier is that the apple, the farmer, that's what's extremely important. It's not you can't just go get any apple. So I really wanted to get into this, and after um, kind of helping out with a bunch of the breweries in the area, and kind of you know, I, and even uh, volunteering a lot of my time and that sort of thing, I ended up working at Supreme Core. Those guys are awesome in DC, and uh, and now Vanish. So yeah, it's been kind of a long road, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So were you making cider at home, or did you? Yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, your first batch of homebrew was a good, drinkable, horrible. How was my it? very first batch of homebrew? I think was in 2015, 2014, and I had to throw it out. So <laughs> that's the average answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a really cool story, but that's it. We weren't yeah. asking that back when you were on. What about you, Larry? Your first 
so I'm my assume yeah. you started home brewing. I don't remember. I, I did. Um, the funny thing is, so I was working in restaurants in the Charlotte, North Carolina uh, area um, after finishing my culinary degree. Um, honestly, even better yet. So basically, I started home brewing when I was in culinary school. Um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was taking a class on called beverage management. The bulk of the focus of the curriculum was on learning all the wine regions and grape varietals of the world, but there is about 10 to 15% on beer. And when we got to said section, my instructor brought in her husband for the day, and her husband was like, okay, we're gonna make an Irish stout. And I'm like, whoa. I'm a huge Guinness fan, and you know, back in those days, um, there wasn't a whole lot means of craft beer, yeah. um, even in North Carolina, where we think of as a pretty big area now. But um, this was the I mean, days. It's not quite Frederick, but yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, you know. But uh, <laughs> you know, back in those days, there was a six percent cap on all uh, beer. Basically, anything over six percent was illegal. Oh wow! Yeah, so IPAs That's... didn't exist. Um, but basically, sad existence. <laughs> um, I mean, you could have like session IPAs, but anything over six was, anyways. Um, so session that, IPAs just in as a Brit, like no one was making them back then, right? That's yeah. a fair. Yeah, it would have been pale ales. Like, yeah. yeah, honestly, that was one of the one of my first uh, exposures to craft beer was uh, through Guinness and Samuel Adams, Sierra Nevada. Yeah. You know, those were those were the people who were making the pale ales and stuff like that. That was the first like mind-boggling you know mind-blowing thing yeah. but Mine um, was uh guinness and then fully delving into um craft beer was probably beer that you made it was when flying dog first moved to um frederick mm-hmm. it wasn't following any of the laws and you could go there and just drink and <laughs> sample as much yes. <laughs> as much beer oh, as you want. i remember those days yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, but yeah, so basically I started home brewing in, uh, 97. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I wound up getting a job at a homebrew store, um, because I couldn't really afford the ingredients or the equipment. <laughs> so I wound up working, um, this place, oddly enough, uh, had, uh, one of the best, um, uh, web addresses that there was. They were homebrew.com. So we shipped a lot of uh, beer kits all around the place because we got a ton of online do orders. They still own that. You, they do. The yeah, homebrew.com. Yep. But um, yeah, basically, um, more or less, uh, wound up packaging and learning about a lot of beer ingredients, learning an awful lot from those owners, and then uh, kind of progressing from there uh, to where I wound up working at a brew pub as a line cook and kind of working my yeah. way through, and then eventually wound up uh, heading off to Colorado um, because so, there's so many places out there to find a job. So was your um, was your first batch drinkable, or did you have to dump it? You know, I thought, and I did, I, I thought it was quite drinkable. Um, I'm basically it was just following instructions and I have a, you know, background in food. So following food instructions and making clean product was kind of a natural thing. I don't know. I drank it all. It was a Burton Pale Ale, basically uh, a Bass clone. So, which is still one of my favorite, uh, favorite beers on the planet right now is the traditional Bass Ale. So what other types of things have you done, Trevor? Because you have lived, I would consider, an interesting life. Oh, 
Well, uh, thank you. I last time I was here, uh, we talked about this before yeah. the show. Um, I was actually in this very building, and we recorded. I was with the uh, the band Lost Keys, and we recorded. I think I think we did a Prince song, and then we did an original song or something. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've been a working musician for a very long time. Um, and I contribute to the Frederick News Post sometimes. I have a writing background, editing background, um, and had a travel blog. I've traveled a lot. So yeah, I do all kinds of things, creative things. I like building, creating. Uh, so I usually have my hands in all kinds of stuff. The stuff you've written for the FMP, it's travel related, right? Uh, yeah, I've wrote some, some about beer and then recently, yeah, travel related okay. stuff. Yeah. Thing, I didn't see any of the beer stuff, but I've seen, I've read some of the travel related ones. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so where, um, I would say Vanish experiments a decent amount because you, you'll, you do split batches where, mess around different ways and see what happens and yeah. are you is the plan to do that with cider too or is cider more of a straightforward type process oh yeah i'm really um bringing in a lot of my personality into the cider so there's um a lot of i mean i'm i'm don't have the culinary expertise that that Larry does, but I de- when I was overseas um, as a kid, I was super fortunate to have my father who would hire chefs for us. And while my mother was in the kitchen learning from them, she's an incredible cook. I would be in there as a kid, and I'd be like, "Oh, what can I do? What you know?" So I learned a lot of these things. And so um, I'd like to think that I have a palate for food, and and for that very reason, I like to do interesting things. Um, when I was at Supreme Court, I did this mango habanero chutney. And that's not a typical thing that you'd think of doing, but because of my background, I was able to pull that in, and it was a huge success. We had an event around it, and it was gone. It nice. was Yeah, so I, I like to be experimental um, and try new and different things and like to push the boundaries, and that's I love collaborations, which is why I like to do things. Um, I want to work with the brewery and, and I would love to work with other local businesses, um, to be able to collaborate and do a lot of interesting, um, ciders for sure. Are there hazy ciders, lactose, kettle sour cider? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, what are, what are the, um, I think you can do anything you want. What are the popular trends in cider? So, uh, right now I, it's actually very interesting because you have the woodchucks and the angry orchards of the world where they take um, one-dimensional dessert apples and they cover it up with sugar, uh, just like you would cheap wine, cover yeah. it up with sugar, so then it just tastes like sugar. And um, not there's anything right or wrong with that, uh, just not the avenue I would take. Yeah, I think people would describe that as playing to the American palate. <laughs> so um, now this one does have a little bit of residual sugar in order to bring out the lime and grapefruit in it. But this is this is as sweet as I I ever get. What um, does um? Wait, wait, I don't know what that says actually. What's the style? Oh yeah, sorry, that's uh, my <laughs> handwriting. I write like a doctor. Um, it's Paloma Paloma style. We talked about the Paloma cocktail. It could be a really great Are you base. Sure, that's what that says. <laughs> I would ask you what you think it says, but after the eggplant comment earlier, I don't know. Um. Yeah, so it's it's called pink grapefruit, and uh, it's a Paloma style, just based off the Paloma cocktail. I get caught up here, and um, it's something that 
uh, I don't know if everyone knows, but is actually the the most popular cocktail in Mexico. Graham, do you know what a Paloma style cocktail is? Well, uh, but yeah, that's that's what it's the most popular. So like a margarita, but with grapefruit. And so I was really going for that, and I added just a hint of ginger, um, and it's a lot of fun. And you can see yeah, now you scared me to drink it. Yeah. Oh hate, come on, just try I it. Hate ginger. It is. Uh, you can be honest. It it hits on every level for me. And the hibiscus gives it a nice pink color. No, that's really good. Grapefruit, lime. Of, yeah, it's just a, a hint, little of, hint ginger. of ginger. You know, like it, just enough to give you that little prickliness. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I think I think the ginger helps balance it, uh, the uh, the sweetness just a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's too sweet. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like drinking a I don't yeah, a, I don't I don't like the one of the popular brands of cider where it's Yeah, and like and, and cider's headed in that direction. A, a lot of people that come to Vanish or I've seen other places that do serve cider, uh, the common question is, do you have anything that's not sweet? Um, because people are now looking for something that isn't, which is interesting because beer is kind of the opposite. <laughs> beer, yeah, it's gone to not beer, to just like uh, fruit juice. <laughs> it's very interesting. But, yeah, a lot of people are kind of moving away from that um, and, and wanting something a little bit drier, which is great for people like me or vintners that, you know, they don't want super sweet wine. So, yeah. But hey, do you see that Burley Oaks uh, dreams are only about half the ABV that they advertise? Yeah, I. <laughs> You're not <Just> shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, I heard about that. Yeah. I I can't remember who it is that that did that. Was it another brewery, or just a like a craft beer drinker? There that, was 450 North. Well, no, of... 450. Well, so that was the first brewery that mm-hmm. was called out. But I'm talking about the people who took the beers and started sending it into labs to be analyzed uh, mm. for the alcohol content. I don't. Well, I can't remember. Are they re- are they related to the brewing industry at all, or like to a brewery, or are they just drinkers and they were curious to find out? Uh, I, I can't remember. I'm, the, I'm not the in a position to be any kind of aficionado on what the particular case was, yeah. but I can tell you, A, there's lots of independent labs, um, yeah. you know, including like uh, Dr. Gary Spelling in um, uh, Kentucky that does a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but also, for instance, there is a government lab right here in Bethesda, Maryland, <laughs> that pulls beer off the shelves and checks to oh, make really? sure that you are meeting the specifications that you advertise to your specific beer. Well, 450 North fixed the problem. They're just not going to put the ABV on the can anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can sure assure you, I can assure cola, you this is 6.7. But... <laughs> <laughs> you can test it. Yes, we, uh, we, we do our due diligence to try to make sure that, because uh, canning is a new thing for us, you know, packaging in general. Yeah. Um, you know, I come from a brew pub background where, you know, just make whatever I feel like. And, you know, and even Vanish has been run pretty much like a brew pub for the last yeah, uh, several years. It's really years. only if you're going across state lines that it truly matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When you have to uh, get uh, government approval, yeah. uh, certificate of label approval. But uh, but yeah no um, we uh, we try to do our due diligence um, we try to create uh, shelf product uh, shelf stable products and try to uh, um, 
make products that uh, that that will stand the test of a little bit of time, you know. So, so actually, you you have the smoothie line of beers. Yeah, are they are they safe at temperature? Yeah. Or the, okay. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, some are ticking time bombs. If, <laughs> if, if we you were to let we because like, I've been given beers by breweries and we even like, go to the Vale. Yeah. I mean, the Vale has huge signs. Whenever they're selling their um, whatever nonsense name beer it is, where it's just the same phrase over and over again, where it's the double fruited beer, like huge signs about keeping it cold or it's going to explode. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I can't speak for anyone but our own approach. Yeah, yeah. That's um, so and, how? And, but more or less, uh, basically anything that we're doing, we try to fully ferment out. Mm. Um, so any kind of fermentable sugars, we take uh, action to fully ferment out. Um, there's other methods that you can use to give it the the fruit sweetness, yeah. um, specifically uh, lactose and uh, so maltodextrins you, and things like that that help give it sweetness and body do that you don't add, ferment. Do you add your fruit post or pre-fermentation? Uh, like, are you fermenting post, on the post, but secondary? We give it, okay. a, we give it time uh, at fermentation temperatures to let it, to let it ferment okay. out. Um, just you know, one of those things. If if it's going to happen, we prefer that it happen in a tank with yeah, a blow off I mean, rather yeah. than in a can. Yeah, because you're 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 sending out heavily fruited beer to like some places. Just they they don't send it out. So if they do have like a small run of it or something they don't have to worry about that because they know the people getting it are going to take care that they, they're the consumer knows that it needs to be kept cold but when you're sending stuff into uh one you can't guarantee a store is going to keep, exactly keep it in a cooler and, and, and then the person who buys it out of cooler you don't you like you have no idea whether you they know for sure that it can yeah yeah, I, I I wholly understand. When you're doing just brewery only releases uh, or serving by the by the pint, um, even by the crowler, fresh off this the tap, this is really good. You know, that's one thing. <laughs> I you. really like this. Right. One. He, he does Glad a fantastic job with it, right? And you don't right. like yeah. ginger, so that's great. <laughs> when, what's, I mean, it's only like really like it's truly to be ginger though. forward things. You know, you've like. won one when you when you pull one over on Chris and you <laughs> say, "Oh, you know, I don't like this. I have this predisposition to this," and then. Yeah. You go, hey, try this. Right. <laughs> Cheers. We, so Chris and I, have yeah. drank together enough to understand that much. So, yeah, awesome. this is really good. Awesome, thank I like you. That. So you should can this. Keep making this one. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll do. <laughs> I also, I love, um, I love anything pink grapefruit flavored. I oh, love okay. like that. I think that that's a flavor that just works so well in so many different aspects. Yeah, you should. Uh, what do you make on the beer side with pink grapefruit? Um, I've had well, an IPA that was a We have pink the grapefruit, grapefruit IPA, IPA, and that uses a, a ruby red grapefruit. Just close to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Very similar. Um, yeah, that one. Uh, that one is kind of a, a winter seasonal that we run. Right. Um, you know, through fall through spring. I'm trying so. to think, like they only had say. Uh, who it was like Ruby Bird or some? I think Anchor Steam maybe makes. Do they make a grapefruit beer? Is it them? I don't know. Someone like like, mm -hmm. and it, it means nothing saying it out loud because it's only how my mind works. It's it's either Anchor Steam or a brewery I lump in with Anchor Steam sure. that makes a beer with um, 
uh, ruby red grapefruit also, and it's ruby something. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I, I've heard of a lot of uh, a lot of breweries and a lot of cideries that do a lot of uh, grapefruit, um, uh, dry hopped ciders and beers and stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's a, a popular. People like grapefruit, um, but I wanted to do a different take on it. So yeah. I'm I'm excited for this blood orange collab that we're gonna work on with the uh, with the blood orange um, and that the hopping. Be good. You know, hop. I've loved a number of hopped ciders. Um, you know, I just feel like that has a lot of potential there. So, you know, having a cidery or a cider house inside of a brewery um, really opens up a lot of opportunities for unique yeast yeah. strains as yeah. well as unique hops um, to be able to expand um, on on the idea and the concept. So, so you said that you think that 2020 is going to be the year of cider. Absolutely. Is that wishful thinking um, based on trends or do you, like, do you think it's going to be, is it going to be the hard seltzer of 2020? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what makes you feel that way? Um, I think uh, just being in the industry and being able to talk to people and seeing the direction, I, people's palates is really interesting, but people's palates seem to kind of go in this, in this uh, big brain direction. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the seltzer of 2020, but I think it's something that's going to stick around and keep continue growing. So it's not just going to be like this thing that um, – that is around uh, for a short period of time. It's just something a fad, and I think yeah. it's it's really going to continue growing. Cider is something that's been around forever too. And you yeah. used to use persimmons and pumpkins to make cider, and it, it you know it's it's really interesting how that's working. But I think it's coming back around and it's growing, and it's going to be huge in 2020. And it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's um actually what I. We need when we're done recording. I need to correct something I told you guys late earlier. Um, so it's it seems like uh, cider and mead have had maybe maybe not exactly parallel, but a close, slow, steady rise in popularity. Mm-hmm. And it and I agree with you. It seems like cider is taking more off more. Yep. And one reason I think for that is the the recent changes in laws in I don't know what it is in Virginia, but at least like in Maryland, where it went from you could hold a cider license as a brewery and you didn't have to be a winery to make cider. Right. So it got a lot more like it, there are obviously wineries that experiment a lot, but I mean if you're going to categorize the two groups of people, brewers yeah. are way more experimental than winemakers are, I would say. Yeah. And so you have a lot more breweries dipping their toes into making cider and exposing more people who would never have tried cider before to it because it's available at a brewery. For sure. And then with the advertising is gluten-free and it being the non-beer option at so many breweries so i would so with all that said i would agree with you that it it's only going to trend more popular so i think you're right uh you're hitting on something is that it's gaining more traction especially in states like maryland where you can be a brewery as long as it's under 8.5 percent alcohol i think that you can you can make a cider um, and it, a lot of it is this whole gluten-free 
um, thing that's going on. And I, I think because of that, people are able to jump on that and make it. And it's it's a really nice, it's a really, I mean, cider is so much fun. And I think a lot of people are realizing, well, like I need a gluten-free option and you have cider and if it's made well and it's using really nice apples, it's a fantastic product. It's a lot like wine, but brewers um, can step on it like a beer and make something that is something in between a, it's a hybrid yeah like wine and beer so that's basically what this is too yeah when this the pink grapefruit is absolutely delicious oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i'll take that <laughs> and I, I assume this is readily available at the oh, yeah, yeah come on by yeah, yeah. this, yeah. this is going to be one of our yeah. uh one of one of our house standards so okay. yes absolutely where is are the ciders on tap in the main tap room also, or are they? Like, they are on they, the compound. Yes, the, they're <laughs> they're intertwined. Okay, um, so you so don't have yes. to go to a special section of the compound. No, no. One of one of the great things about where we are and the licensing that we have, um, we have both a Virginia uh, brewers license as well as a Virginia cider. Li- I'm sorry, a Virginia right. wine license, mm-hmm. uh, which allows us to produce and sell a wide variety of of wine products as well as beer products um so that's 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 basically our from the very get-go has kind of been our goal is to have a very wide menu where you can always find something that you like you can always find your jam so to speak you know so in virginia is it only wineries that can make cider it is. Yeah, okay. it's a little bit different, um, which, by the way, I'm working on a sizer for St. Patty's Day. So if people want to come out St. Patty's Day. That is. <laughs> uh, so it's deliciousness. Take, it's, uh, it's essentially taking um, mead and cider and, okay. yeah, making a baby. So Sizer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So is that and the the world opens up from there? You got Sizer, Perry, uh, which is, you know we have the pear orchard as well, mm-hmm. and and other local pears available to us. So. so is Perry just like cider made with pears? Exactly. Is, okay. Yep. You're on it today. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> fire. Completely on fire. Um, I don't. I've never had that. I don't know if I. I mean, I, I feel. Like it, do you do you make it with just pears, or do you usually add some adjuncts into it? So uh, I mean, you I can like some pears have a strong flavor to them. Mm-hmm. Depends yeah. on the variety. If you if you go to uh, you were talking about one of your uh, one of your sponsors, uh, District East, and they have I think they have some Perry right now. I think, um, but uh, Perry can be made with just pears. But you can all I mean, it's again you're making wine, but you're using yeah. different. So you can add pears you can add apples you can do whatever you want with it um and that's the thing there's really there aren't any limits so it'd be it's really interesting to see um what's going to happen with this landscape it's going to continue evolving there's going to be a lot of people um not unlike myself that want to experiment and push the boundaries so it'd be really interesting to see what happens this year so pink grapefruit mm-hmm. um paloma style what is the process for making it? So you w- take the so, apples. Right. So apples um, apples are pressed. Uh, they're pressed, and then you're taking the juice from these apples, and then your which is essentially the 
the hot side of a brewery. <laughs> um, and then you're taking that liquid and you're fermenting it uh, with yeast. And um, and after it uh, is done fermenting, then you're adding the ingredients. Okay, so you add... Post-fermentation. Okay, so yes. all the adjuncts are post-fermentation once the... Usually, or at least um, most of them, yes. Okay. Depending on what I'm doing, yes. So where, on the compound, where's the production of the cider made? Ah, the cider house is... Uh, so if you walk up to the main entrance, we have the central atrium that connects... Um, to the left, the brewery, uh, which used to be an 8,000-square-foot indoor riding arena for a horse farm... Uh, and the left, which is the stables building, um, often used for private events um, as well as open to the public uh, during weekends. But attached to that building, which was the stables building, um, attached to that is a bump out there. Um, it gives you another, I don't know, what, 3,000 square foot or whatnot um, that's going to be a 10-barrel cider maker, okay. uh, cider house. So, but yeah, um, that's, that's where the production, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, we, uh, we just had some awesome, uh, um, new tanks arriving the other day. We, uh, we got those rigged and plumbed in and that's, that's all happening. So, so when, uh, cider is fermenting, does it have to like, is it like beer where it's glycol jacketed fermenters or do they ferment at a higher temperature or? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of that is uh, depending on the yeast. But, yeah, uh, it's very, very similar to beer. Uh, And at least the way that I treat it, I treat it very, very similar to beer. So uh, glycol jacketed uh, fermenters and, uh, yeah, it's not anything too, too different um, from from the brewery side. Do you like beer or cider better? Ooh, come on now. Uh, so I, I started... Hey, I asked those hard-hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Geraldo. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, so I, I definitely started off with beer um, for for a couple of years. I, I will tell you this. I don't know if this is answering your question or not, but I'll do my best. I, I like going out with friends and drinking beer. If I drink cider or wine, I am analyzing the shit out of it. So it's work so for that's me. Enjoyable. Oh, it's work because I'm like comparing it to mine. What should I do? And is this better? So yeah, that's more work for me. But yeah. if I'm just hanging out with my friends or whatever, I'll probably have a beer. Yeah. I think that's one of the best parts of not having a good palate is that I don't, I've never tried to be someone who analyzes beer. Because I feel like it probably would ruin it for me where, like, everything I drank I would try to be in. Like, but now I just think to myself, good, bad, and, like, keep drinking or dump it out <laughs> depending on which right. grunt I gave out. Right. But, yes, that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. And that answers it. Like, I, I could completely see that. Because yeah. I've heard that um, from a lot of different brewers, too, that they – like they have almost have to make a conscious effort. Like if they go out drinking, like don't think about it, just enjoy it. <clears throat> yeah. I've heard brewers say too, that they try to drink styles that they don't normally uh, brew be for the very same reason. Uh, yeah, it becomes, that makes sense. becomes work. Right. So Larry, what do you think are going to be the trends in beer this year? Wow, the trends in beer this year. You know, it, it, that's a hard one um, 
to be honest with you, I kind of feel like first off to thine own self be true. Um, you know, do Dropping what you <laughs> what you feel is you know what you feel is your strength. Play your strengths, um, mm-hmm. and also get to know your customer base. Um, so we kind of have that. We have our beautiful pet projects that are kind of like, oh, this is my baby. This you know. Um, we also try to play some popular favorites and offer up um, a lot of what are what's trending in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, we like to, uh, we like to also play on some good old fashioned classics. And I do feel like the, I do feel like the marketplace is coming back, uh, a little bit, um, to circling around to, you know, every, everything in trends, everything in life is, is, is secular and, I kind of feel like basically um, the marketplace is uh, it is going to circle back a little bit to some familiar classics. Um, we're already seeing it. I'm just uh, a post the other day. Um, folks were talking about like who has the best lager going around. Who's, yeah, who's doing pills? Like you know, I mean, like pills now. Pills lagers they're the number one most popular style around the world. You yeah, know? I think craft beer drinkers get a little caught up in the bubble. Uh-huh. Uh, like not not like a bubble that's going to burst, but like the the group think or an echo chamber. Like yeah, where uh, like, not to diss anyone. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it's, not, not, the, it's just know, it's, it's it's human nature mm-hmm. where you just like you self segregate yourself into groups, and it becomes an echo chamber of everyone. Like it, um, where we fail to realize, like even though there are a lot of us drinking these crazy experimental beers or tons of hazies tons of new england or fruited kettle sours that even as craft beer goes that's a fraction of of the beer that's consumed that there are huge craft brewers that don't make any of those styles and sell a ton of beer uh great lakes for instance like they don't make any of those types of beer Mm -hmm. they're huge or yingling i mean i guess you could debate really is yingling a craft brewer or not but that has been a moment of debate there um but you know the the fact of the matter is is that i do feel um that um you know we've already are seeing pilsners west coast ipas and whatnot kind of circle back around and move away from the hazies just a little bit i still think the new england ipa is as a new style has a lot of merit and is here to stay it's not going away it's not a fad it's not a flash in the pan it's gonna stay but i think that more or less the craft beer market the the general palette the general group of individuals who are into this are maturing a little bit the more we talk the more we drink the more we get to know one another the more our our horizons are broadened and the funny thing about it is, is that as we broaden our horizons, we want to circle back to those classics that may have been forgotten or kind of swept yeah. under the rug because they're not the latest, greatest thing. But in the end, we go back to those, but give it our own generational twist. Mm. And that's where I really think the craft beer market is moving, is moving back to the classics, moving back to West Coast IPAs, moving back to Pilsners, 
but with a new hop variety, with a new twist and a new little tweak that's going to be this generation's tweak. It's funny you should mention West Coast IPAs because when this comes out, we have just released the collaboration West Coast IPA I'd made with Hysteria, uh-huh. which turned out amazing. Fantastic people, which, fantastic brewery. Which I, I you know, I'm, I, I had a feeling that you were going to show up with a ton of beer, which you did. <laughs> that, so, because I would, but I, I will give you, I will give you guys some to take home with you, because I, I was going, I have some in my office of it. It's called I'm trying to nap. Um, awesome. It's a, it's a double. I think I saw a uh, Tyler video about that, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I posted right. that yesterday. Okay. Um, and and for a while, I was making that prediction, and I think partially because I wanted it to happen. Yeah. Because every time I was someplace and I tried a West Coast IPA, I was like, "Wow, I used to love these, and this is." all i drank and i haven't had one and it feels like years now but but so many breweries are starting to make them again and that's why I, that's why i wanted to make that with hysteria and like i just missed that dank super bitter west coast ipa that really got me to love craft beer mm-hmm so I'm glad to hear you say that too, because I, I think they're coming back. Like I said, and and it's good to see, you know, people branch out from their own. Um, this one that I just cracked is not so much a traditional style as we were just talking, but it is definitely um, about knowing where you are and and trying to make something that is uh, an homage to where you are. Um, so we being in, uh, Northern Loudoun County, um, in the wine region traditionally of Northern Virginia, um, we, uh, we made this beer starting back about three years ago. This is our Cabernet Stout. And basically it's a, uh, dry foreign export stout, um, that then uses Cabernet grapes in the fermentation and then gets aged for five months in, uh, Cabernet Franc, which is kind of like the quintessential like uh, Virginia grape varietal. Uh, and so it gets aged in Cabernet Franc barrels for five months. And, uh, you know, we each year that when we release it, we get this growing like cult following. I get people emailing me, well, when is this going to be available? And like, well, when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyways, the fact of the matter is, is that um, this is honestly one of my pet projects is one of the babies that, you know, we do things for uh, our self gratification as well as to please the, you know, our guests yeah. are obviously making things that our guests uh, is number one. Um, but when, you have a group of guests kind of latch on to something that you've created and you take a little bit of pride in that, yeah. you know, man, nothing, nothing feels better. That's, um, th- there are two things I've heard. One of my favorite breweries, the owner say, um, that reminds me of this too. One, it, it, tro- the, uh, it was Chris Trogner play- said, no, John, John Trogner yeah, said yeah, both yeah. of them. Uh-huh. And it was first when, uh, Trogs was in that tiny little original brewery they were in. And he gave the tours and he said, he's like, we don't do market research. We don't do, we don't ask our customers what they want. We just make beer that we like to drink and we really hope you want to also. And I always thought like that, 
I'm sure they do some research now for how huge they are. They <laughs> can't get away with that right. that attitude quite now. But, I mean, that was uh, when they were in that old brewery. They, they had very little competition. And, it yeah. was like, and I guarantee it, it was, that was true. And then the other thing kind of ties into what you just said. Like He, he was asked um, how he knew that they made it. And he said it was the first time he ever went to a bar and he was sitting there drinking and someone came in and said, give me my usual. And it was sunshine, sunshine pills. And he's like, up until that point, I thought I knew everyone that drank my beer uh-huh. and it was only our friends and family. And it was someone I had no idea who they were. And that was the regular beer that they drank. Nice. So I think that's, like, that's a true said, like, measure of accomplishment yeah, when, right when there. They said, yeah. When they said that, like it was, I was like, like that, that is a really cool concept thing. And, and it made me think too. Like, and I felt that same with the first time someone I didn't know mentioned uncapped to me, <laughs> I was like, Holy crap, the people I nag yeah. aren't the only ones <laughs> that know this exists. <laughs> so I can and and I think that's on a much smaller scale that where you get to feel that where like where your passion project is enjoyed by so many people. So you yeah. like that's got to feel really good. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, like I said, we when you come out to Vanish, we have <laughs> easily we have we have twenty faucets on tap, um, running the gambit from very light and approachable right up through you know barrel aged sours and yeah, really complex there, beers. Just go on Instagram and search uh, what's hashtag Vanish Flight. Is yeah, yeah, you got to You got to get the Vanish Flight because <laughs> that's how you really get the true exposure to the whole experience. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that we do have a very broad portfolio and we try really hard to make sure there's something for everyone. Um, and no matter what level uh, what level beer geek you are, whether you're, you know, level one or 10 plus seven minus yeah. seven, six points. Um, you know, it's, um, did you bring this stout to the, the beer burial? I did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's, he's touching on some, uh, some <laughs> secret, super secret stash. Hey, hey. Well, yes, I mean, I, there was a published article about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, but it is in a highly undisclosed location, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, invites people to his house uh, two years in a row so far where everyone brings a bunch of beers that would age well. And um, our friend built a coffin and we, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it was is, yeah. very yes. good workmanship. <laughs> and uh, we drink a lot, eat a lot, then fill the coffin up with beer um, and then last year was the first year where we dug up the coffin, drank everything that was in it, and then refilled it back up yep. with re-buried new donations yeah. and reburied it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic idea. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is our uh, our our dear friend who came up with the idea will actually attribute it to um, to reading the bottle of old school barley wine by Dogfish Head. Yeah. When you read it, it says, you know, drink it now with friends or bury it in the ground and forget yeah. about it for twenty years, whatever. You know, so yeah, that was the inspiration of uh, the beer dig, the annual beer dig. Yeah. So, you know. 
Uh, we can't, uh, unfortunately, we can't invite everyone to yeah. our party, but I highly encourage, who it's knows, you know, go start one of your own, bring yeah. your own friends, yeah. you know, get this thing going regionally. Then invite Chris and I by emailing yeah. us. So. <laughs> Once again, that's chris at newspost.com. Um, and if you just want to send me beer, it's 351 Ballinger Center Drive at uh, Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, it doesn't have to be buried in the year, you know, in the <laughs> ground for a year, but you know. Um, and what I really like about that is that it's a lot of beer I would never drink on my own because, mm-hmm. like, aged or like things that are going to stand up to being aged for a year aren't things I typically gravitate to. So, okay. that, like, I get to try so many things that are outside of my typical comfort zone. Yeah, and they're usually just amazing. So that's that's where that's where I am. Uh, I am a very squirrely kind of person. I like to hoard things away and keep them away. Yeah, you probably I, have a basement just filled I, with. <laughs> I do at an undisclosed location. Um, but yeah, I, well, actually, the pride of my cellar right now is actually a 1982 Thomas Hardy that was given to me by a dear friend, one of the regulars um, at Vanish that. Um, you know, he, he he brought to me a number of years ago, and, and I can't wait to drink it. But at the same time, we're talking about one of the best cellaring beers in all of history. Yeah, I've never so, had one of those. Well, I also have those. a handful that I brought back uh, in my backpack from hiking adventures <laughs> in the UK. So I'll invite you by. We'll do a vertical tasting at Thomas Hardy. I can't remember... I wish I could remember more details of it because it was a funny story of a uh, saving beer gone hor- horribly wrong where someone I know, and I may have actually even told the story during an episode because um, it, it was definitely someone who owns or brews at a brewery had a beer that they were saving for like just forever. And it was in their refrigerator at their beach house and they were having some work done and one of the people grabbed it and even worse than just drinking it, told them they tried it and it was awful and dumped it out. And um, then I had <laughs> and, and I can't remember the beer, but it was like one of those like coveted type beers. And I had almost a similar. I had a 2017 from Dust Till Dawn barrel aged. Um, st- wait, is that Stout or a Porter? imperial style from jailbreak that i had chilling in my refrigerator because i was building a vertical of them i had the 2017 2000 i had a 16 17 18 i think and i came like my father-in-law came down to visit once and went in and just grabbed the can of beer out of there and drank it and that's what it was and it was the same thing. He said it was disgusting. Yeah, it's the bourbon barrel aged one variant. And he dumped it out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, like you could have at least lied to me and told me how good it was. <laughs> so now he knows to not drink anything without asking me first. Uh, what to- <laughs> yes. I, uh, I I have a buddy of mine, uh, someone that I used to work for years ago that uh, owns a house in the foothills of uh, Pikes Peak out in Colorado Springs. Um, so obviously below ground, it gets quite cold. Yeah. So in his basement, he has a semi-finished basement in the walls 
he built a bunch of shelves, cellared beer, and then drywalled over it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, he has specific markings as to where each beer is located. And occasionally he'll hold a party where he literally will smash through the wall and break <laughs> one open and be like, here's what we're drinking. Cheers. That feels like way more work than necessary. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, sometimes like, eccentric that. people yeah. do eccentric things. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out and bringing the delicious uh, beer and cider. Actually, I like I can't even pick my favorite. I loved fire, and I really loved that pink grapefruit. I would not have thought that one of the ciders would have been in contention for my favorite beverage brought today. He does good work. Um, so thank you for coming out. I am excited to try more of the cider creations that you come up with, Trevor, um, in ordering a vanished flight of 20 different <laughs> types of cider yeah that might be dangerous uh considering how much stronger some of those probably are yeah what is, what's the strongest cider that you have uh right now it it is it is just the uh i think i think that mandarin's uh seven percent so okay. that's where i'm at uh everything else is a, a little bit lower but i don't go a whole lot lower yeah so okay. i'm i'm about to put a really high quality um apple into barrels so we'll see into rum barrels so nice. we'll, we'll see what happens with those <laughs> so thank you gentlemen for coming out thanks for uh, having us chris yeah thank Everyone you so much go chris. To banish and enjoy the compound and everything it has to offer um thank you everyone for watching and listening cheers cheers the Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.